Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. All right, we're in a series called All I Want for Christmas. And I think all of us can relate with that statement. Um, When you're a little kid, there's always this one present. If you get this one present, this one Christmas, it's going to be the best Christmas ever. When I was little, it was Nintendo, then Super Nintendo, then PlayStation, then Air Jordans. I mean, you name it, there's always one thing. We could all all think of that one toy. I was going to share all the top toys from each year. I remember Tickle Me Elmo was like $3,000 on the street. Like, what was going on that Christmas, you know? But it's amazing what parents are willing to do to get their kids a gift gift and overpay $3,000 for an Elmo. It's amazing what our God's willing to do to get joy and hope to you. It's amazing what the Heavenly Father is willing to do to make sure that what your soul desires that he can get it to you. And so this series really is that uh, representing that this gift that Jesus came to earth, born fully man and fully God, that when, when he came to earth, he didn't come empty handed He came with a lot of heavenly gifts. And the things that your soul desires more than anything else is not on Nintendo anymore. There are things like hope and joy and peace. And Jesus came to give those to you today. And so today, my, my, my message is, all I want for Christmas is hope. Everybody say hope. All right, we're going to dive into Scripture. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about hope. And right before I dive into Scripture, I just got to ask you real quick. Do you have a lot of hope right now? Statistically, they say you don't. Um, they did a survey. Do you have, um, do you like the direction of the, um, the do, you have, do you like the direction of the America? Do you like the direction of America? Uh, eight out of ten said, no, they're not liking the direction right now. There's no hope right now of where we're going as a nation, okay? Eight out of ten, just where things are going as a nation. Uh, do you have hope that uh, the Bay Area is going the right direction? Anybody? Uh, the laughs are the answer, okay? Um, exactly. Um, now, let's get personal. Do you like the direction of where your life is going right now? Do you like the direction of where your marriage is going? Do you like the direction where your kids are going right now? And the reality is, is, is that if you put your hope in a circumstance and you put your, 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 your trust in just what your eyes can see, whoo, you're going to be a roller coaster ride for the rest of your days. My goal today is to get your eyes looking up. My, my goal today is for if your hope meter is low today, that it would get full today. Uh, because hope is not based on your emotion. Hope's based on what he has spoken. And so can I read you some things he spoke? Turn your Bibles to Romans 5. I got to set up the text of Romans 5. Ooh, it's a good one. Now, words are heard, but they're also felt. If you're married, you know exactly what I mean. And here's what I mean by that. When you ask your spouse how they're doing, it doesn't matter what they say, it's how they say it. So if I ask Rachel, you know, is everything okay? Everything's great. And, you know, she's smiling. I'm like, okay, everything's good. But if I ask her, is everything okay? And she's like, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine? Yeah. Nothing's wrong? Nothing. Well, your tone says I'm the worst human on the planet. So what's wrong? Nothing. What's wrong? Nothing. Eventually, yesterday you said this and it bothered me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, babe. I would never do that. I'm so sorry. And then, you know, and then Rachel forgives me and then, you know, we move on. Rachel will come home. I am the king of tone. Would you agree? I'm even more than you. Oh, oh, oh. Babe, settle down. All right? I wear my heart on my sleeve, okay? If I am sad, you know. If I'm happy, you know. And so I do the same thing. Rachel's got to pull it out of me. Um, but there's something about tone. But the problem when we read scripture is we don't hear the tone of the way it was written or intended a lot of time. We just read it monotone. And, and Romans 5 is this thick chapter of just golden nugget, truth and beauty in it. But it's, it's written in a way like a, um, a halftime coach would give to a team that's down by 20. The Christians at this time are being written to. It's not easy being a Christian in Rome at this time. And so I said, hey, it's like almost the Holy Spirit saying, hey, it's halftime. And the scoreboard says this, but you're still going to win. Hey, you're in the worst season of your life right now. It's not over. I get what the scoreboard says. I get what your emotions say. I get how you feel right now. But trust me, the the one that was in the grave came out of the grave. So I've seen worse scores. I've seen worse things. And, and, I, and whenever, whenever I've gone through something, here's what I know. It's the worst thing for me. And I never like comparing worst. So whatever your worst is right now, it's your worst. And what the Holy Spirit is saying is, trust me. This hope that I'm going to talk about will not disappoint. And so can you, can you hear me uh, when I read this chapter? Can you hear that kind of pleading from the Holy Spirit? That this is pleading of saying, don't give up. Don't lose hope. Don't lose trust. 
Don't get disappointed. There is still, there is still glory to be seen. And so let's, let's read Romans 5. Romans 5 one says this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Stop. I got to share one of the words. There's so many pictures in Romans 5. That word brought is a Greek word that's used only a few times. Uh, I'm going to try to say the Greek word, right? Prospagoge. Prospagoge. I kept on listening to the pronunciation online. I still can't say it very well. <laughs> Anyways, um, it is this interesting Greek word that is only used a few times, but it's a very specific word that you would use. It has one specific meaning. It would be if you were at a palace and somebody wanted to bring you into the royal room and say, you now belong in this room. You are now the person that gets to be in the inner, inner room. And so they're ushering you into the room of all rooms and everything in that room is now yours also. And what the scripture is saying is that Jesus not only died for you, but after he died for you, he said, now, come on, I want to usher you in to the throne of all thrones the kingdom of all kingdoms. I want you to meet the heavenly father and everything that's in the room. I want you to meet hope, joy, and peace. Stop. Think about this real quick. Let's just, let's make this very practical. Uh, when I was eight years old, my favorite store that I dreamt of was Toys R Us. Anybody, when you were, can, remember when you were eight? I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us. Do you remember that? It actually made me sad about growing up. And then now I'm glad I'm a, a, a grown up. I can buy what I want to buy, eat what I want to eat. Way more stress and weight, but it's still all good. And I was like, ah. Uh, so when I was eight, if you would have told me that, that somebody would have literally opened up the door to Toys R Us and said, anything you want in there, it's yours. Woo! Can you imagine? My, I mean, my favorite. Now, when I was 14, it turned probably into, I don't know, like Champs, you know, or Foot Locker. I was really into shoes and sport gear. So at 14, could you imagine if that was your favorite store too? Just, you know, just going, hey, anything you want. Any Air Jordan. Any, any, uh, any cool pants, hoodies, Tyler, go crazy. You know what I'm saying? And then when I, when I was remodeling my house a year and a half ago, it would have been like Home Depot. Anything you want, Home Depot. <laughs> it's amazing as you get older, the stores change. Can we agree with that? Your soul, from the day you were born, has been desiring this moment. This moment where Jesus says, come on in. Anything you need. Hope, joy, peace, me, I'm here. Here's the Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit. This is all yours now. Anything you need. Romans 5 is this beautiful picture that says Jesus paid it all so he could save you and introduce you to the Holy of Holies. And so we, we see this, and now it shows us what's in there, a couple things. Into this place of undeserved privilege, that's where we went in, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength. Character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Sorry, I missed the line, sorry. Can I read? Maybe. Here we go, let's try again. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Everybody say hope. hope. I, um, I'll never forget when Apple Maps came out. Uh, I was really jazzed about it. I was like, woo! You know, I, I, I hated having a Thomas guide in my, uh, in my glove compartment. If you are young and you don't know what a Thomas guide is, don't even worry about it. This is a weird map with a bunch of book pages, okay? Um, it, when I would go on a road trip, we'd have to print out, print out MapQuest. You guys remember MapQuest? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just like it was different. Like, you, like, you have a bunch of stacks. Like, okay, this is for today. This is for tomorrow. Okay, boom. You're like, okay, day three, MapQuest. I got it, you know? Um, so that's how you had to live life. Kids, you ain't got, you know nothing about hard, hardness, okay? We had to live through MapQuest. Okay, anyways, so, um, but then Apple Maps came out, and you don't need to print it out. You just, you put a destination in your phone, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, Apple Maps. They created a master phone, and it just leads you there. Problem is, is that the first year, it had a ton of glitches. You'd put in 24-hour fitness, it would take you to Krispy Kreme. Like, this is not what I put in the map. I remember, uh, Rachel and I were in Seattle, and I remember putting in the airport, and um, uh, we put in the airport, and it took us to a Red Lion hotel. I was like, this is not the airport. And we were on a time crunch. I was like, man, I was, I was so disappointed in Apple Maps. Oh, I was like, I'm never using this again. Well, guess what? They fixed tweaks this last year. Apple Maps has been batting a thousand with me. Come on now. If I want to get somewhere, I put in Apple Maps, I'm getting there. Now it shows me three different routes. Fastest route, easiest route, less traffic route, cheapest route. I mean, it gives you options. Like, yo, you want to budget? Skip the toll, okay? You want to rush? Take the toll. I mean, like, it shows you all kinds of things. 
Now, let's go back to the questions I, I asked you. Do you feel like your life is going the right direction? Do you feel like your marriage or your family or your kids are going the right direction? What this text is saying, it's saying that how many wrong turns you've taken in your life, it doesn't matter. Where you are at this moment in your life, if you would actually put your hope in Jesus and trust him, he will take you and give you the best directions to what your soul's always desired if you would just trust his direction. It's like, if it, hey, I, I, he's like, I love that it, like, the scripture tells us, like, it won't disappoint. Because we've been disappointed in so many other things that's promised what we desire. It's, it's like this. It's like um, being on an airplane. Hope's like being on an airplane and, and, and there's a lot of turbulence and, and there's, you know, a bunch of uh, parachutes on the, the plane and, and people are starting to get stressed out like, I think we're going to crash and, and we need to get out of this. And you've been on this plane and you know the pilot and the pilot's never crashed. And you say, you will not be disappointed. Don't grab the parachute and bail at this moment. We're going to get to paradise. We're going to get to the best place ever. I, I trust this pilot. They are the greatest pilot ever. Jesus is the greatest pilot ever. And that's what this is saying. It's like, don't, don't be, you're not going to be disappointed if you stay in the, in, in the plane. You're not going to be disappointed if you actually take this, this direction from Jesus. You will not be disappointed. So it goes on to unpack it. Let's keep reading some more scripture. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Can I just read you the good news real quick? The rest of this isn't even in my message. I just love the good news message. Can I read it to you? Okay, enough yeses. Okay, here we go. Um, when, we utter, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came just at the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. That'd be like, most people, if you're a Democrat, you won't die for a Republican. And a Republican won't die for a Democrat. But this is saying that a Democrat would die for a Republican. That's a different kind of love, Amen. It's saying, it's just, I'm trying to make it real for you right now. I'm trying to make this text come to life. All right? So he's saying, thanks, Joe. So good. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, but God showed his great love. He died for Republicans and Democrats because you guys both fall drastically short. You independents, you're on the fence. All right, here we go. Here we go. I'm just kidding. I don't know, I don't know what I'm saying right now. I did not talk about this last service. Last service, best service. Okay, here we go. Um, here we go. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relation with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Woo! That doesn't encourage you. I don't know what will. Bow your heads, I'm going to pray. God, we love you. Oh, Lord, we ask that you, would, that you would give hope to the hopeless today. I love my friend told me this morning that hope is like the light at the end of the tunnel. God, I pray people would open their eyes and just see the light at the end of the tunnel today. Some may be beginning that journey at that end of the, the other end of the tunnel. But God, I pray that through hope, through your peace, through your strength, and through your spirit, Lord, Lord, that they would not quit. Lord, I pray my words would fall to the floor. Oh, God, we just ask that you would meet us here. Oh, we need you. We need you. And everybody said? Amen. Three questions, and I'm going to get you out of here for the night. I know the Niners play after church. I've had two requests already. You have my word. I'll get you out of here in time. It's okay. I, I get it. I'm a sports fan. I wasn't upset. I was like, that makes sense. Some Niners fans don't even come to church on Niners Sundays. Wow. All, all these responses are not sport fans, I feel like. But, Sometimes the game's on at 10. I think you should be a, record, record a game. Also not a sports fan. Save it. Um, anyways, I have no idea what's happening in service right now. Let's get back to the message. Uh, three questions. Why is hope so important? What is hope? And then last but not least, the role hope should play in your life. So let's go to the first one. Why is hope so important? Uh, Proverbs 13, 12 very, says it's very simple. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So if you don't have hope, you get sick in your heart. Very, very simple, as Scripture says. Let me um, share a little uh, story with you. Viktor Frankl was a Holocaust survivor. He survived the Holocaust in World War II, three years uh, in prison. 
four different camps. One was Auschwitz, lost his brother, his parents in these camps. He was a psychologist, a neurologist, a PhD, brilliant man. When he got out of the, um, the concentration camps when the war ended, he wrote a book called The Meaning of Life. And in that book, he writes about his experience in the camps. And he says, it didn't matter if you were the strongest, the smartest, the richest, the best looking. That would not get you through what we had to go through. He said, there was one thing that helped people get through it. There was one thing I noticed if they lost it, it was over. And that one thing was hope. He said, he'd meet the greatest people. And for three months, they were fine because they had hope that the war would end. They would say, well, in a few months, it'll be over and I'll get my house again. I'll get my goods again. And then three months would go by. And for some reason, one day out of the blue, they would just go, you know what? This is never ending. They would lose hope. And he said that when they would lose hope, they would become bitter or they just give up. And so the nicest people, when they lose hope, they started stealing food from other people, saying, I don't even care anymore. We're not getting out of here. You're not getting out of here. Might as well take your food. Who cares about morals anymore? Who cares about caring for people? I've lost hope. It's all about me now, and I'm over it. So another thing when people lost hope is they wouldn't even get out of bed anymore. They wouldn't even dream for a better day because hope really is all about looking forward to something. That's why Christmas is such a great time to talk about hope. As a little kid, you look forward to Christmas Day because you know there's going to be presents under the tree. And the reality is, is, if you trust God, you know that things are on the way. And so he says, when hope was lost, everything was lost. Let me read you a verse in Job 8 to show it to you. Those who forget God have no hope. They are like rushes without any mire to grow in or grass without water to keep it alive. Suddenly it begins to wither even before it, cut, uh, before it is cut. A man without God is trusting in a spider's web. Ooh, a man without God is like trusting in a spider web. Everything he counts on will collapse. If he counts on his home for security, it won't last. Job 8 says that if you put your hope in the wrong things, it evaporates. If you don't remember God, you will forget hope. Let me um, tell myself real quick. Uh, so I talked about uh, um, Die Hard last week. You know, one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time. Blah, 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 yeah, yeah. Um, and um, I saw my barber again this week, and he said, Tyler, I kind of have a standard for Christmas movies, and I wish I would have shared this last time, but I watched your message again, and uh, he wasn't there this last time, but he watched online. And uh, he said, um, uh, here's my standard. It has to be a standalone for Christmas. Like, you can only watch it during Christmas time, like as a seasonal movie. And Die Hard's a year-round movie, and I know it like, takes during Christmas parties, and I was like, you know what, that makes a lot of sense. I'm, you might have talked me out of Die Hard being a Christmas movie. And then we started talking about other Christmas movies. Like, okay, that could be one, that could be one. And then a movie that I was processing on the way home that I've never seen, that everybody watches during this time, it's called, I think, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. I've never seen it. Don't leave the church. I'm sorry. I'm vowing that Rachel and I will watch it this season. A season can be a year, a thousand years. Rachel's, hey, side note, Rachel's amazing. She's seen it. I haven't. There you go. Uh, so yeah, Rachel's like, don't you throw on me in that bucket. So um, maybe she's asked me a few times and I've said no. Maybe, I don't know. Um, but in that movie, It's a Wonderful Life, what's so funny is I've never seen it, but I've used illustrations. There's this, this moment in It's a Wonderful Life and the main character, um, he's going through a hard time and an angel gets assigned to him and the angel goes, oh my gosh, what's wrong? Is he sick? Is he dying? And the guy goes, no, it's way worse. He's discouraged. And the whole movie is reinstilling hope into a man who's lost hope. Let me put it this way. Hope's a good thing. Maybe it's the greatest of things. Quote Andy Dufresne, Shawshank Redemption. If you haven't seen Shawshank Redemption, just leave TNT on for 24 hours. And it will pop on your TV screen. I guarantee it. It's all they play, all day long, every day. I've heard it said this way. Let me just double down on this thought. I've heard it said that you can go weeks without food. Days without water. But you can't go seconds without hope. It's just something about your soul that it just, you need it. And, and, and hope's this interesting thing because I, I, I've read this verse before, but I've never really had it grab me this way. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So the big three, faith, got a great PR person. Got to have faith, got to have faith. I mean, I hear faith all the time in church. Love, we hear it all the time in church. But I feel like Hope's over here on a shoestring budget saying, hey, can I have a commercial for Hope? Can you let people know how important I am? Can you let people know that it's a life or death thing? Because I'm one of the greatest. I'm in the big three. I'm going to last forever. And today, what I want to do is I want to get hope today in the hopeless. I want you to know that it's not just something that should be on the side. It's one of the big things in your life that will never leave you and should never leave you. So is hope important? 
It's very important. Now, what is hope? What is hope? So what the uh, Bible says, here's what Scripture says. Hope is this. At least, I, guess, I was going to say it later, but I feel like I need to say it right now. Hope's not optimism. Optimism's like, everything's great. Nothing's bad. Optimism is psychological. Hope is theological. So optimism's like, oh, it's, hey, how are you? Great. Fantastic. You're good. Everything's great. Hope is this. Things are bad, but he is greater. Hope is not determined by my wishes. It's determined by his word. It's, it's this theological obligation that God has to me because if he said it, he'll do it. He's the God that gave 7,000 promises in the Bible and he's batting 1,000. Aaron Judge batted 280 and got 400 million. God's batting 1,000. Maybe you should sign him. There's a handful left of him coming, you know, the earth on the white robe, you know, Revelation ones, but, you know, those ones are still coming. But you look throughout, it's amazing that a God has fulfilled that many promises. People still are like, I don't know. If God has said it, and I'm going to use this word, he's obligated to do it. My esophagus, uh, it's been an ailment that I've had to manage for the last few years, and I pray all the time still, and I believe, because there's three things the Bible shows me about God's obligation to my esophagus. One is, is that just practically, if I take care of it, I'll reap what I sow. Part of it is just GERD. Like if I eat really, really healthy foods, it starts, the inflammation starts to subside, and it starts to go away a little bit. But if I eat Taco Bell or pizza or I have a coffee, I gave up coffee, it starts to inflame, it hurts even more. So it's just part of reaping what I sow. So there's one of those promises. So, so I'm, I'm practically trying to make sure that if I do everything, maybe just maybe it could just be barely noticeable, maybe even gone. But the second promise is God promises that his kingdom would come, his will would be done, that I could be healed today. That's a promise from God. So I'm holding on to that promise. And so I pray all the time, Lord, heal my esophagus. Every time I receive communion, I claim the promise of what the broken bread is on my esophagus. But third promise is this, that God promises that if he doesn't heal me on this side, that in my glorified body, I'll have the best esophagus in heaven. It's going to be amazing. And that is theological hope. And so I'm never going to lose my hope, no matter what you tell me. And so I love this anchor illustration that Hebrews shows us about hope. Hope's, uh, it says this about hope in Hebrews 6.19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure. Everybody say firm. firm. Everybody say secure. secure. An anchor is an interesting thing on a boat. We don't really think about it a lot, but if you ever hit a storm, it's going to be your best friend. An anchor keeps you steady in a storm. If you are um, trying to stop your boat from going to something and hitting something and literally wrecking, you're going to really love the anchor because the anchor stops you from going in a direction you don't want to go in. And so it made me start thinking about just well, what does like, an anchor look like spiritually, but, but how could I show this to our church? And so I actually found some pictures of anchors, and I want to share a thought with you real quick. So here's the first picture. This is just the chain for an anchor for a big aircraft carrier and like a big old cruise boat, okay? That, that guy looks like an action figure on the sides of that chain. Each little ringling weighs 500 pounds. Show me the next picture. That is chain for one boat, two chains, because they have two... Uh, two um, anchors. And again, same thing. Like, look how much metal that is. Look how much weight that is. Now show me the anchor. That is a 30 ton anchor for a boat. That boat has two of those. It needs two anchors if it wants to stay where it's supposed to stay. Now show the last picture. Can you imagine me showing up to that boat that has a 30-ton anchor on both sides. Some of those boats have just one 75-ton anchor on its boat. A, a ton, well, that's a ton. It would be like the way a, a car weighs two tons. So it would be like 35 cars is your anchor. That's a lot, yes? But can you imagine me showing up, and it's a storm, and the boat's, you know, rocking. I'm like, hey, guys, I brought my anchor. We're good. Let me toss it in. And it weighs five pounds. You would laugh at me, Yes? It made me think, different boats need different anchors. Your soul needs a certain type of anchor. And the world offers you all kinds of different anchors that actually doesn't give your soul rest or protect your soul from things that will crush it. 
And so I want to show you different anchors that this world offers that shouldn't be your anchor. And the first anchor is the wishful anchor. We call this wishful hope. Wishful hope. Now, let me define what wishful hope is. We're going to talk about wishful hope. We're going to talk about expectant hope. And then we're going to talk about certain hope. Now we're going to call them different names now. We're going to call it the wishful anchor, the expectant anchor, and the certain anchor. Does that sound good? So the wishful anchor. So what is wishful hope? A lot of us have it. We just don't even know we do it. Wishful hope would sound like this. You're late to work and you say, I sure hope I hit all green lights today. Okay, good. Hope, hope away. Not going to change anything. It's like, you're not going to change the lights. You're still going to make it red lights. It's like, that's just like, it's like an empty hope. Another uh, hope would be like that, like, you know, beginning of the baseball scene, like, I sure to hope the Oakland A's win the World Series. Okay. They didn't do anything to try to win it. And who they signed the winter meetings. Just being honest. Shots fired, but it's true. You know? (laughs) Wow. A lot of sports reactions today. Like the biggest one, oh my gosh, not the A's. Um, When they win the World Series, I'll take that out of my joke index, okay? Um, Don't worry, I'm a Mariners fan. I've never been to the World Series my whole life, okay? Um, so, so it'd be like an empty, like, why would you hope that? Another one would be this. I hope it snows tomorrow. Why would you hope it snows tomorrow in the Bay Area? I've never, I've never seen it snow. Like that's like, that's an empty hope. There's no data that would show that it should snow tomorrow. These are all empty hopes. You know, and, and another one would be this. Um, who bought a Powerball ticket in November when it was like, you know, almost $2 billion? Anybody? It's okay. You bought it. These are the people who might buy us a building one day. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your faith. Come on now. Um, most pastors should endorse you buying a lottery ticket, but hey, when you're a mobile church, Lord, do it any way you want to do it, okay? So, um, through a lottery ticket, through generosity, whatever, it is what it is. Okay, so, so, um, so I, was, I almost bought a ticket. I didn't buy a ticket in November. I bought one for the earlier one. I never, hadn't bought one forever. It was kind of fun. And so, um, but the reason why I didn't buy the, the last one is I read an article that had all these odds of basically how hard it is to win the Powerball and the other things I would win if I tried those instead. So, if you don't know the odds, it's one in 292 million um, to win the Powerball. Um, here are some things that you are more likely to um, experience than winning the lottery ticket with Powerball. First one is, we've heard this a lot, you're more likely to get struck by lightning than to win the Powerball one. We know that one, yes? Okay. Second one, if you jumped in the water for a few minutes, you're more likely to be bitten by a shark than to win the Powerball. Okay. <laughs> Third one, you're more likely to go to the moon than you are to win Powerball. Think about that. I don't even know how it works. They had a study on it. Like, like you have a better chance of going to the moon, going to space, than winning the lottery. Here's the fourth one. You ready? If you went to L.A. and tried to be an actor, you have a better chance of being a famous actor and winning an Academy Award than winning the Powerball ticket on the odds. At Powerball, when you go to buy the ticket, they have none of those numbers when you're buying. They just want your money. You want to buy 10, 20, 30, they'll take it. It's a straight cold-blooded hustle. It is one of the biggest money makers for the state, okay? Maybe it's just taking your money, okay? And so um, we voted on, is gambling going to be legal in California? We said no, and then you go buy lottery tickets. It's hilarious. I don't know. I, I can't talk about it. I can't talk about it. I can't talk about it. Okay, so um, didn't pass. Um, so um, catch this real quick. If you could see the odds that the world has on satisfying your soul, you would never buy its ticket. If you could see my soul's desire, oh, everything that I want for my soul, I'm just going to live the way the world tells me to live, and I, I just hope it happens. I hope I have the marriage I want. I hope I have the life I want. I hope I have the satisfaction I want. Why, why are you hoping? I don't know, just living the way I want to live and just doing whatever, because just doing what the world tells me to do. You have better odds of going to Saturn than having your soul satisfied by this world. You have better odds of winning the Powerball. How about that? And those are bad odds. But the reality is, is a lot of us have this wishful hope that we're just, I just hope it works out. I'm not reading my Bible, not praying, not living for Jesus. But I sure do hope that my life's going to be everything God called to be. That is a wishful anchor that you throw out all the time, and it is bringing no returns, and it is not protecting you. Watch out for the wishful anchor. Second one is the expectant. The expectant anchor, the expectant hope. So, um, this one like, is a very practical one. And I'm not going to say it's a bad one because we do need to steward our life. So it'd be like, um, uh, expect home would look like this. If you are planting a garden, you put the seeds in, well, you're hoping to have some fruit and vegetables because you planted something and you, you, you prepared for it. 
Um, another one would be like if you are working out and you are eating he- healthy and you're running, you're going to have hope that you're going to get fit. Um, another one would be if you work hard at your job and you give it everything you got that you could, you know, have the career that you desire. Those are all expectant hope things. Now, the problem with expectant hope, it's not a guarantee at all. Like, what I mean by that is, Rachel, this one year in our marriage, she got really into gardening. She went in the backyard, started tilling the soil and, and started planting things and, you know, started budding up and, you know, staying a lot longer than we thought. And, and uh, but we're watching these green things come up and, you know, it's a handful of rows. And, and one day I took out the garbage and I left the gate open. And deer came in the backyard. And they're murderers. Uh, they're absolutely ruthless. They ate that garden down to the nub. Like, they didn't like, like, oh, hey, we should leave that plant for the lady. She worked hard, like, nom, nom, nom. and Rachel came home, and she's like, Tyler, my garden is gone. Everything's gone. Dear. I was like, oh, yeah. So and I felt terrible. And, of course, you know, Rachel had hope that she would have a garden, but she's married to Tyler. <laughs> and there's these, you know, variables in this hope is the gate always has to be shut, and I'll let the gate open. Um, let me give you another one. You have this expectant hope. A lot of people have this expectant hope. I'm going to get married. I'm going to be a good husband. I'm going to be a good spouse. I'm going to work hard and we're going to do this. And I'm expecting my life to be great. Problem with expectant hope is it's this transactional thing that you feel like you can actually manufacture hope at the end of the the race. And the dangerous thing about expectant hope is some of you are in the season right now like, if I can just get to hear my career then everything, I'll enjoy it, and my hope is here. But once you get to this part in your career, you still don't have it. And so you start blaming things. Expectant hope is a dangerous anchor that will steal years of your life. So what's the winner? It's this thing called certain hope. Certain hope. Psalm 62.5 says this, Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. For my hope is in him. Real hope is not based on God's word, not my, uh, but... Uh, based on God's word, not my wishes. I, uh, I think of my least favorite seasons of life. I think of pastoring people through the hardest seasons of life. And you know what doesn't work when somebody's going through the hardest thing? It's for you to give them some tokenary hope statement. For you to give them, it's gonna be okay. For you to give them, Hey, it's all good. Because the reality is, is nothing at that moment or they see or feel says that or is showing that. And so what the psalmist is saying is, nothing right now is showing this or telling me this. So I'm going to sit before my God and wait patiently because I know this hope does not disappoint. I'm not leaving because I have a certain anchor. I will not give up on my beliefs I will not give up on what I'm supposed to be. I will not give up on what I'm dreaming for. I will not give up on having joy. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to believe because I am certain it's a different kind of anchor. Charles Spurgeon said this way. Don't you know that the day dawns after night, showers displays drought, and springs and summer follow winter? Then have hope. Hope forever. For God will not fail you. He's saying like, of course. Of course after Winter, there is spring. Of course, after dawn, there is light. Faith, we read, you cannot have, you know, faith produces this thing called hope. So so why does faith produce hope? Says, you know, in Hebrews 11. You can't have one without the other. They're they're, they're like twins. You know, faith has like kids. You only say faith could be the mom of hope. It just has, it births hope. So, So why does it say faith gives birth to hope? If you have faith, let's say I'm drowning. And I have faith in a rock. It's the wrong thing I have faith in. And you toss me a rock, I will sink to the bottom. Yes? Okay, we get this. But if I have faith in the right object, and the object of my faith is a life preserver ring, and you throw it to me, I'm going to feel pretty good about where I'm going because now I have my life preserver ring, and I know a boat's going to come and now save me. I have hope now, yes? And what certain hope is, is the object of your faith is not a circumstance, not a, not a diagnosis, not a stock market, not a survey. It's simply this, I have hope in him. I have hope in him eternally, not just circumstantially. I have uh, hope in his glory and his promises. And because of that, I sit and wait and I know he's gonna change what's happening right now. That's a certain hope. Now, when you have a certain hope, what role should hope play in your life? Let's finish with these last three. 
Hope should be your interpreter. Hope should be your interpreter. Uh, in October, we got to go to um, uh, Homes of Hope, build a couple houses in Mexico. And um, Martin was one of the home builds foremans, helped them build their house uh, right next to us. We actually had built right next to each other. And then our foreman was a brand new gentleman, amazing guy, loved him. He was so awesome, so sweet, um, very gifted at what he did. Um, and so he gets introduced to our team. And you have a team, like on each team, you have like the foreman, the assistant foreman, the person who's going to give you lunch, the, you know, the, the person who's going to take pictures. So each team has about four or five people. Well, ours had an extra person because our head foreman um, uh, spoke Spanish but didn't speak English very well. Martin could speak English very well and Spanish, so they didn't need an interpreter. So our foreman needed an interpreter. So the interpreter introduces himself. And so we get to the build site. And I'm just going to be honest. We had the worst interpreter you could ever have. It's terrible. And here's why. He disappeared. Like we're building and he's nowhere to be found. And so the foreman is trying to tell us how to build, but I speak English and he speaks Spanish. And he's like trying to, and so we start pointing and we start building. And the people to our right who are communicating very easily are building their house at a rapid rate and we have nothing up still. Their walls are going up. They're looking at us and judging us. And it's like, you know, they're making fun of us at the end of the day. It was, you know, all fun and good jest, but it still hurt our feelings. Um, the next day, they finished early. They help us build our own house, blah, blah, blah. Um, so kind of them to help us. Um, so anyways, like they were putting like extra furnishing on their houses. I was like, we're just trying to put the roof on still. Okay, so anyways, um, I just started thinking, I was like, man, like the interpreter is so important to the build. If you don't have the right interpreter, if you don't have an interpreter, it's over. And I remember asking uh, the guy who was our interpreter, I was like, hey, man, where you been? And, you know, we're, I rode in front, and he drove us a lot. And he goes, Tyler, they told me to be the interpreter, and I, I don't speak English very well. So I, I'm, I, I'm not a good interpreter. But they've taught us here at YWAM to just say yes to things and trust God that he'll provide. <laughs> so they asked me the interpreter, so I said yes. And I was trusting for him to provide. But then I hid in the truck most of the time. I was like, oh, you did? Okay, that's great to know. So he did provide an interpreter because once we had to actually present the keys, uh, one of the guys who's been with us could do both, and he started translating for us. We're like, where were you the whole other two days, man? Um, and it just made me laugh. I was like, okay, okay. So time out. Let's, let's rewind this. If you don't have the right interpreter or you don't have any interpreter, it's really hard to build what you want to build. It's really hard to have hope in what you're building. And there's this moment in Genesis the story of Joseph, it's a powerful story if you've never heard it. Joseph is this man who basically has this dream. He has hope that God's going to use him in a mighty way. And the way his story starts is he gets sold into slavery, betrayed by his family. And then after he gets sold into slavery, he succeeds at Potiphar's house. But then he gets betrayed and lied about. He gets thrown into prison. And then when he's thrown into prison, he serves in terms of his dreams and he's forgotten about. And all these things... Uh, you go like, man, nothing looks like God's doing anything. It looks like this is the worst route. But if you know anything about geographically, he's actually moving closer and closer to the palace. And he ends up being what his dream showed him in the very beginning of his life. And he says this statement to his brothers. And it's in Genesis 45. And he's going to interpret for him. And you're going to see interpretation in here. And, and I hope you catch it right away. But if not, I'll, I'll break it down for you. He says this, but don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer and he said, again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery. You sold into slavery in Egypt, but don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your life. Stop. So you're reading like, don't be upset, you sold me. But then he's like, God sent me. So did you sell me or did God send me? And what Joseph has done is he has become a great interpreter of hope. He's saying, it looks like I got sold and betrayed, but actually God was sending me to my promise. And if you didn't sell me, God could have never sent me. And so it may have looked like the worst moment, but it actually was the best moment. It looked like a painful moment, but it was a propelling moment. That's why it says in Romans 5, do not get upset because it's going to develop something in you. It's going to produce something. So it says, it looks like I was being betrayed, but it was producing me in the right direction to actually be everything God called me to be. Yeah. Rachel and I, um, and this is really trivial. This is nothing on the scale of like stress, but we were trying to buy a house, saved up for years, got a family gift. And so it took us like 11 offers on a house. And the first five, oh, I mean, if you've ever tried to buy a house, you, like, you, you, you give your heart to it. You walk in, you're like, I'm going to worship God in this room. You know, we're going we're gonna to host people in this room. And 
we're gonna we're gonna laugh and and oh I'm gonna oh this would be a great place for an office. Oh my gosh, the backyard, we're gonna have so much fun. Okay. And then and then you take all you've saved, everything you got, and then you bid over the asking price. And then they laugh at you until you're not even the top three and you've been outbidded. So the first five, I was getting I started losing hope. Started getting bitter. So I'm like, why even bid on a house? We're not gonna get it's market's nuts, whatever, you know. And I remember even after like the fifth one, we're driving away and Rachel looks at me, she goes, I finally understand why people steal. <laughs> and I was like, what? And she's like, I understand crime. We have no other option on how to get money unless we turn to crime. And I was like, are you trying to ask me to go rob a bank with you right now? And she goes, no, it's, I'm, she goes, no, I'm, it's empathy. I'm just having empathy now for myself. <laughs> yeah. So just get heads up. We didn't steal. I passed her through it. I walked her through it. We're not stealers. We don't, we don't thieve. Um, we're going to trust God. <laughs> um, and I remember just calibrating myself and um, just going, all right, I'm going to believe you, God, that like our house is out there in the East Bay and um, it's like a hide and seek game and we're going to find it. And, and uh, every time you say no, you're protecting us from a, from a house that we really actually wouldn't be the best house. And, and I remember like getting our house and the house, like the house, we bid it a house, on a house, a few hundred thousand dollars. It's like this little, it'd be a house and we got outbidded. I remember like, I was, that was the house I was most devastated on. And then we got our house that was 800 square foot bigger than this house. Had a pool in the backyard. Like one of those things where like you're embarrassed to have your backyard as a pastor. You're like, and I like, like, cause you know, as a pastor, like there's always qualifiers. Like every time Rachel and I go to Maui, it's credit card points. Okay. Like, like I'm always qualifying our blessings, you know? And so as a, and it's not a bad thing. Like, like I, I love feeling uncomfortable when God blesses us like that. You know, like even when people walk around house, like family gift, <laughs> his family, it was don't worry, it's not, I, don't, I get paid like a principal, don't worry. And like, I, I, like, it's one of those things, you know, like, hey, it's all good, it's all good. Like, I, like you're like, because like, when people walk in your house, they're like, how much did the church pay you? Don't act like you never thought that. I did when I was going to church. I remember going to my pastor, I was like, how did you do this, you know? And so, so can I just be honest with you? And I was like, Lord, this is what you do. You give us things we're embarrassed about in the right way. And all those things I was mad about, I just... I just lost time. I lost energy being angry at you. Rachel almost became a criminal, God. <laughs> if we would just trust you. <laughs> Get it. Hear me out. If you allow God to interpret your worst seasons, and you just see it through God's lens, if you lost something, he's the great redeemer. If you lose people you love, He's the great redeemer. Interpret it through an eternal lens. Losing things is not natural. We were not built to lose things. And that's why he is the strong man that comes back from the one that stole to bring us all the things we lost. Start interpreting through those lens. We're, we're almost done. Uh, hope should be your attitude. Hope should be your attitude. I'm going to bring the whiteboard up real quick. There's this uh, moment in number, Numbers 13. I'm going to paraphrase the story uh, just to save time. Uh, it's a famous story, number 13. I can read all the scripture. It's this moment where all the um, uh, 12 spies get sent out. They describe the land, ooh, flowing with milk and honey. It's amazing. But then the 11 are like, I don't think we can do it. They were big. They were scary. They were like giants. We felt like grasshoppers. We shouldn't go. We shouldn't go. And one man who has faith, and now that faith has produced hope, Hope is more an attitude than it is. It's, it's the symptom of faith. It's the, it's the thing that comes from faith. So, so here's how Caleb talks about the same situation. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. He goes, let's go at once to take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. Yeah. Exclamation point. Everybody say exclamation point. <laughs> so it's this attitude. He's like, you guys, God said it. He'll do it. We can do it. I know we're small in number. I know we're not as big. But if God said it, he can do it. We can conquer it. Exclamation point. But they're like, I don't know. They're big. We're small. I don't think we can do it. They're going to kill us. And they talk everybody out of it. Let's go to the book of Genesis. And the enemy has been using this weapon more than I think any other weapon in all of the Bible on you and on me since the beginning of time. So when Satan comes into the garden to destroy Adam and Eve. 
He doesn't come in as a bully just to punch them in the face. He doesn't come in and tell them what to do. He just carries this one little thing, a question mark. Just brings a question mark into the garden. And this is what Satan does all the time. I mean, when Jesus is in the garden, the thing that he does to Jesus, he goes, if you are the son of God. He brings question mark. Are you even the savior? Are you even the promised one? He brings a question mark to Jesus to even attempt him. And Jesus, of course, punches the question mark in the face with truth and scripture. But at this moment, he brings a question mark to Adam and Eve. And then let's look at numbers now. Oh, I know God said it was ours, but they're bigger. I'm smaller. I don't think we can do it. I, I think I'm too small. I think they're better. I'm incapable. I'm not qualified for this. I, I can't get this done. You know what? I'm just going to stay here. I've sinned so many times in my life, there's no way I can have my promise anymore. You know, when I look at my skill set, there's no way I can actually walk in what God's promised. You know what? If you've seen the last 30 years of my life, there's no way I can walk to the next thing. The Bible says, watch out for those fiery arrows of doubt that literally will try to destroy you. Those fiery arrows might as well be shaped like question marks because that's how the enemy attacks. So what is hope? What is hope? Hope is a big old exclamation point. Hope is, God, if you said it, you're going to do it. Now, let me just give you, I, like, I don't know why I like making this. Yeah, let's go. Okay, that's actually whatever. Okay, there you go. Stupid. It's a terrible estimation point. Here we go. There you go. All right. All right. First service, I, I was very self-conscious because I couldn't draw anything the first service. Um, so I, um, I'm a texter, and when I text, I'm an exclamation point through the roof. Like, I'm embarrassing. Like, some of you are like, do you even understand, understand grammar? Because everything, like, like uh, Tiger, come to lunch. Yes, exclamation point, like for days, you know, like, like uh, um, hey, uh, we're going to come overnight. Fantastic, I'll see you in a little bit, exclamation point, you know. I mean, you name it, I'm putting exclamation Hey, exclamation point, lunch today, question mark, exclamation point. I mean, I'm just putting everything. See you in a bit, exclamation point, all the time. Because I, it's text, there's no emotion in it, so I want people to know I'm happy. I can't wait to see you. So if you ask me, Ty, are you coming to dinner? And I said, yes, period. Like, well, that's clarity. I don't know if he's excited about it but he's coming to dinner. Uh, Ty, you coming to dinner? And I wrote, yes, question mark, probably. Like, oh, I guess he might come. There's still confusion in that one. If you said, hey, Ty, you coming to dinner? And I wrote, yes, exclamation point, all through the text. Can't wait to see you, exclamation point. You're like, that guy's going to be there tomorrow. That guy is coming. And what hope is, is it's this. God, are you going to deliver? Your word says it. He's going to deliver, exclamation point. God, I, I, I'm, I don't feel like I'm going to get through this season. Hold on a second. Your scripture says I will. I'm going to, exclamation point. There's just something about exclamation point. My kid is wayward. He's coming home, exclamation point. My marriage is in shambles. It's going to get restored, exclamation point. My life's going the wrong direction. It's going to get turned around, exclamation point. The Bay Area looks like it's going in this direction. It's going to be revived in the name of Jesus, exclamation point. There's just something about exclamation point people that have their hope in a person and not a circumstance. It's an attitude. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I just want to finish with this simple verse. It's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Is hope should be your best friend. Hope should be your best friend. 1 Peter 1.3. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into living hope. Everybody say living. living. Man, don't let that die. If it's living, you got to look at the opposite. What's the opposite? It's dead hope. You got to cultivate life. You got to guard life. You got you to you make sure that you, you foster it through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, when we think about hope and we think about moments in the Bible when hope manifests or how you want to see it, it's not always, it's not always like the, the prettiest moment in the Bible. Like one of the moments where I feel like Peter shows he has hope in the Lord is where everybody's leaving and it looks hopeless. And Jesus goes to Peter, you going to leave too? And Peter's like, where else would I go? I'm with hope. You're my best friend. I'm not leaving. And what Romans 5 says, and the way it says it is, this hope will not disappoint. And it goes on to say the price that was paid. talks about the evangelist coming and 
portraying the good news and saying, here's what happens. We now have a friend in God. And the reality is, is the things that our soul desires most is not getting to a place, but actually having someone with us to take us to each place. And that person is Jesus. And so hope should not be something you're chasing. Hope should not be something that you're trying to acquire. Hope should be the presence of your Savior and knowing that he's with you in the good times and bad. And because he's with you, you're always looking forward to the next thing. You're always look, you're looking forward to meeting your loved ones again. You're looking forward to things being redeemed again. You're looking forward to God doing the things that he can only do again in your life. You're looking forward to things because you know that you're with the one that can do things that you never could. I'm putting my chips in the middle with the one that emptied the grave. That's who I pick. I hope you pick the same one. There's nobody else that walked out of a grave. There's no other savior that conquered death. There's no other God that sent his son. So for me, where I'm gonna put my hope, that's where all my eggs are going, and I'm gonna live my life that way. Will you bow your heads? I don't know if it's your first time or second time in church. I don't know if you've never said yes to Jesus, yes to heaven, no to hell, yes to blessing, no to cursing. But if you wanna say yes to salvation today, you wanna say yes to Jesus. The Bible's very clear there must be a response to what's happening in your heart. And if that's you, you wanna say yes to Jesus on the count of three, raise your hand, catch my eye. This is you responding to what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. You're not saving yourself by raising your hand, but you're raising your hand saying, God, I want to respond to what you're doing in my soul. I want to respond to that salvation. If that's you on the count of three, raise your hand, catch my eye. One, two, three, raise it up, raise it up. I want to say yes to Jesus. I see you. That's a great decision. I see you. That's a great decision. Come on. I see you over there. That's a great decision. Hands all over this morning. Come on. First service and second service. Looks like we got a lot of baptisms coming. That's what that means. You guys stand up. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray the salvation prayer, the sinner's prayer. You just got uh, saved. This is the best prayer you could ever pray. You ready? Jesus, come into my life today. I declare you are my Savior. I'm a sinner. No more. I am your son, your daughter, your saint. I say goodbye to my past, and I say hello to hope. And everybody said? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.